0: When Pastor Bill Hybels started his church, he had to hire an attorney to do the legal paperwork. And the attorney said to him, why are you starting this church? And Pastor Hybels responded to change lives. The attorney uh, responded in return to Pastor Bill and said this, young man, there's one thing I've learned in 30 years of practicing law. It's that people's lives never change. Greedy people stay greedy. Hateful people stay hateful. Arrogant people stay arrogant and cheaters keep cheating. Remember this, he said, young man. People don't change. I wonder how would you respond to such a cynical view? What would you say? Well, here's what Pastor Hybels said. He said, well, I'm betting my whole life on you being wrong about that, pal. All of us are here today because we agree with Pastor Hybels. People can change because Jesus Christ has the power to change them and the power to change us. And because that is true, it is worth giving our whole life in service to the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, because Jesus can change lives, serving Him is really the only thing that makes sense Now, this morning, we are going to see that as we continue in our series on the Last Supper. We are coming to a message today that I am entitling right out of the Scripture, Doing Greater Works Than These. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 14. And I'd like to read for us verses 12 to 14. John 14, and let me share with you these very important words for us today. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to my Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. And then, just in case we missed it, Jesus repeats it again. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, these verses are some of the most misunderstood and misinterpreted in the whole Bible. They were not given so that we could claim supernatural powers at our beck and call. The reason Jesus gave them to us was to encourage us in the ministry of changing lives. And that is why it is worth every effort to serve our Savior, because Jesus is telling us people can change. Now, you remember the structure of this portion of John 14 from last week. In verses 7 to 11, Jesus makes two amazing claims to encourage our faith. And now today, He makes two amazing claims to encourage our ministry. Let's take a moment, shall we, and pray together and ask the Lord that He might teach us. Gracious Savior, Sometimes we need to clear the deck from our perceived notions about what your word means. and We need to sometimes, Lord, erase the wrong understanding that we might have so that we can prepare ourselves for the wonder of what it is you truly have given to us. And I pray, Lord, today that you would help us to do that very thing. I pray that you would guide me in the interpretation of your word so that what I say is what you intended to be said. Lord, my greatest desire every Sunday is to be as accurate as I can be because accuracy of interpretation is always the critical thing in preaching your word. I pray that you would do that today so that we may see the wonder of all that you have for us to encourage our ministry. For Jesus' sake, amen. I want you to notice the first claim in these verses that Jesus makes to us is that Jesus empowers our service. Now, you will notice that the first part of this promise in verse 12 is directed To all Christians, he says, whoever believes in me, all you have to do is go back to a verse like John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes, you have the very same phrase. So Jesus could have very easily limited verse 12 to the apostles, but instead he included you and me. However, there is a distinction here. When he says, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, clearly the apostles had the power to command miracles. Uh, Last week, somebody came to me after the service and challenged me about my claim saying that only Jesus cured blindness. Uh, They said, well, what about Ananias in Acts Chapter 9. Turn there for just a moment and look with me at Acts chapter 9. This is the conversion of Saul, who became the Apostle Paul. And notice what occurred in verses 17 and 18 and how God used Ananias. Look at what the Bible says. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. So there, Pastor Brian, someone else cured blindness. What do you have to say about that? Well, you know that I have an answer. I always have an answer, don't I? What I would say is, this is a fulfillment of Jesus' promise in John 14:12. Ananias did Jesus' works. But do you notice here that he was careful to say it was the Lord Jesus who performed the miracle? It was not Ananias. It was Jesus who caused the scales to fall from Saul's eyes. And I want to say to you today that is a very, very big difference. Do you know Jesus could simply say to a blind Bartimaeus, recover your sight, period? But the apostles always had to say in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now what about us? If we are included here in doing Jesus' works, can we do Jesus' miracles like the apostles did? Well, there is very, very good reason to believe that the power to command miracles ceased. I want you to keep your finger here in John 14 and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. And I want you to notice what the writer to the Hebrews says about miracles and their relationship to the apostles who were with Jesus. Notice Hebrews 2, verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard the apostles and their delegates. Now notice verse 4 while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. So it is clear here the ability to command miracles uh, was uh, related to the Apostles. Uh, Paul could say in 2 Corinthians twelve twelve, the signs of a true apostle were done among you. And so the ability to command miracles was limited to the apostles and their delegates. Does this mean then that we can never expect miracles today? And I'm sure you are very grateful to hear me say no. It does not mean what that means. What it means is we cannot command them. Now, this tells you then I don't believe in faith healers, nor do I believe in miracle rallies. But I do believe that we can pray for miracles. In fact, that's why verses 13 and 14, which are one of the greatest prayer promises ever given, are closely tied to verse 12. Prayer does work miracles. Do you know um, who believes this perhaps more than the average Christian? That is medical doctors. Uh, Some time ago in Parade Magazine, there was a survey of 269 doctors. A remarkable 99% said they were convinced that religious belief can heal. Why do doctors feel that way? Well, Dr. Herbert Benson wrote a book entitled Timeless Healing, and he said, here's the reason why we feel that way, because we've seen the power of belief. He wrote, we've seen that belief is powerful in conditions including angina pectoris, asthma, duodenal ulcers, congestive heart failure, diabetes, and all forms of pain. We see it all the time and we can't deny it. What's more, said the article, 75% of the doctors believe the prayers of others can help a patient's recovery. Now, that's exactly then what Jesus is trying to teach us. But then another question arises. What does this mean when Jesus goes on and he says in verse 12, greater works than these will we do? I know a young woman that claimed this verse for the power to heal headlights. She said that she laid her hands on a, a young girl who was infected with head lice and those lice disappeared instantly. Now I want to say to you today, I believe God can clear up head lice if he so chooses. But that is not what this verse means. By the way, can I ask you this morning, whoever did greater works than Jesus, Whoever did greater works than him? Even Ananias, in curing the blindness of Saul, it was a temporary blindness. If you go back to Acts chapter 9, you will discover that Saul's blindness only lasted for three days. It was a temporary blindness. But Jesus could heal congenital blindness from birth. And he did it many, many times. No one else in all of history has ever healed congenital blindness. So we have to say, what are the greater works then? What could be greater than physical miracles? Could you give me the answer? What could be greater than physical miracles? Spiritual miracles, right? The salvation of souls and the transformation of lives. Did you note here, and this is very, very critical. When Jesus says to us, greater works than these will the believer in him do, he says, because I am going to my Father." What did Jesus accomplish when He ascended back to His Father after the resurrection? Well, according to the Bible, what He accomplished was eternal salvation. I want you to turn back with me to Hebrews chapter 9 for just a moment. And let's notice what Jesus accomplished. Hebrews 9, and notice with me verse 12. This is what He accomplished when He went to His Father. Verse 12. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of His own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Drop down to verse 15. Therefore, He is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. And now because He has accomplished that, He empowers our ministries by the great work of the Holy Spirit through us. Turn back to the very last chapter of Hebrews 13, And notice this amazing benediction in verses 20 and 21, which revealed to us, I think as clearly as anything you can find in Scripture, what the greater works today are. Listen to what God does through our great shepherd, the Lord Jesus, on behalf of believers today. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus... It is Jesus, the the author of a, a far greater covenant, who is now the greater shepherd at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And the greater works he does is that he equips us for every good work, and then he works in us that which is pleasing in the Father's sight. Those are the greater works that Jesus was describing. It was interesting this week as I was preparing for this message, I came across an explanation of the greater works in a uh, way that I was not expecting. I was not expecting this man to be the man who I think has explained this in the best way that I have ever read it. This man was born in Australia. His name is Nick Vujicic. Vic and he was born without arms or legs. He's one of those rare individuals that has tetra-amelia syndrome. He only has two small feet and he has two toes on one of the feet. The doctors have no medical explanation at all as to how he was born with this condition. He has an amazing life. He surfs. You ought to see pictures of him on the beach near the ocean. He is a surfer. He's gone skydiving. He is married. He fights injustice. And greatest of all, he travels the world sharing his faith in Jesus Christ. He has a pair of shoes in his closet. What would a man without legs need a pair of shoes for? Well, listen to what he had to say. I keep a pair of shoes in my closet because I believe in miracles. But there is no greater miracle than seeing someone come to God. If a miracle doesn't come, you can still be light shining on earth for others. Right on target. That is the greater miracles that Jesus is talking about. People coming to God. Because we are shining a light on earth for Jesus. I want you to see something else this morning that Nick had to say. Listen to what he says. I honestly didn't think miracles could ever come from my broken pieces. And I was disabled in fear that my dreams would always remain as dreams. Don't give up on you. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on love. Brothers and sisters, Jesus lived only in the tiny land of Israel. When He rose from the dead and ascended back to heaven, He had at most 500 converts. Today people have been transformed by Him all around the world by the millions. And Jesus uses weak people like Nick, like you, and like me. And that is the greater works that Jesus Christ was describing. It is Him empowering our service for the Lord. How wonderful this is. Now there is a second claim that Jesus gives to us to encourage our ministries. Claim number two is that Jesus directs and He answers our prayers. He directs and He answers our prayers. Look at verses 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in My name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask Me anything in My name, I will do it. Now, clearly here, whatever links this prayer with our works. This is very vital for us to get this this morning. What Jesus is saying is that the purpose of prayer is so that we may live a fruitful life. We must never separate this promise of prayer from verse 12. The Lord is saying, here's why I have given prayer, it is so you may live a fruitful life. I read about a pastor who went on a home visit. While he was there, he asked the little boy in the home, do you pray every night, my boy? And the boy responded, no, some nights I don't want anything. And all of us recognize that's a very self-centered view of prayer. Please don't miss this this morning. The purpose of prayer is so that our lives will be fruitful in doing the greater works that God has called us to. And Jesus is saying he will answer prayer that makes us fruitful in that way. I think we've seen two amazing examples of that today with those who have gone on mission strips. Jesus loves to answer prayers for people who desire to be fruitful in doing the greater works. Now I want you to notice here that Jesus tells us very clearly how we can pray. We are to pray according to God's will. When Jesus says, we are to pray in his name, ask in my name, there is a very clear meaning of what in my name is. It's interesting that the Apostle John uses this same terminology again in 1 John 5, only he substitutes another phrase for in my name. Turn back with me to 1 John chapter 5. And I want you to notice how he uses the exact same concepts, but he substitutes another phrase for the phrase, in my name, and that phrase tells us what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. Look at verse 14 of 1 John 5, and notice what John says. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything... And now notice this, not in my name, but according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the questions we have asked of him. Notice here how John substitutes according to his will to in my name. Now obviously John had to substitute that because he couldn't say ask in my name like Jesus could. So clearly John is telling us that when Jesus says pray in my name, what he means is pray according to my will. Secondly, pray believing Jesus will answer. Maybe you've wondered why does Jesus repeat this in verse 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Do you know that is known as a Hebrew repetition? Jesus repeats it because He really means it. I want to bless you. I mean this. And then, notice thirdly, we are to pray for everything big or small because Jesus says, whatever, whatever, whatever you ask, anything big or small. A woman went to a very well-known pastor, G. Campbell Morgan. She said, Dr. Morgan, do you think we ought to pray about even the little things in life? He looked at her and he said, Madam, can you think of anything in your life that is big to God? And of course, nothing is. And so, says Jesus, pray for everything big or small. And then fourthly, notice that we are to pray for God to be glorified. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. God will never give us anything that detracts from His glory. He will never give us anything that in any way diminishes The glory of His name and the glory of His person. And so when we pray, we must always pray that whatever He grants to us will be ultimately so that He will be glorified. Some of you know the name of Dr. Kent Brantley. If that name rings a bell, you know that he was the very first Ebola American patient and survivor. He was chosen as Person of the Year for Time Magazine in 2013. He contracted the deadly virus uh, Ebola while he was running a treatment clinic for Ebola patients in Africa. When he saw his own symptoms, he withdrew into his house. And he said while he was alone in his home in Liberia, with a disease he had not seen one person ever survive from, he prayed. Let me ask you, what would you pray in a situation like that? And remember what Jesus said. Pray according to God's will. Pray believing Jesus will answer. Pray for everything big or small. And pray that God will be glorified. Here's how Dr. Brantley prayed. I prayed that God would help me be faithful even in my illness and that in my life or death He would be glorified. Now that is the kind of prayer that Jesus has in mind. And it is this kind of a prayer that Jesus loves to answer. And by the way, is this not a greater work in answer to prayer? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And so here's what Jesus is saying. I will empower your service. And I will direct and answer your prayers. And because I will do that, weak, ordinary, People will accomplish my work throughout the world because God changes lives. God changes lives. I began by mentioning to you an incident involving Pastor Bill Hybels. Many years ago, Bill Hybels studied the Bible to see how does God respond to prayer. And he discovered that as you study Scripture, you find God has four responses to prayer in the Bible. And this morning as we close our service, I want to share them with you. Because at some point in our life, we are all going to need to understand how God is working. Here are the four responses in Scripture that God has to prayer. Number one, no. Your request is not in God's will. Number two, slow. Your request is not in God's will at this time. Number three, grow. Your motives are wrong. What you're asking is not what is best for you. And you need to grow as a believer. And then finally, go. Your request, timing, And spiritual condition are okay. And God says yes. Every one of us will find ourselves at some place wondering, which of these four is God responding to me in? And I'll be sure, without any doubt, God is responding in one of these ways. And He is doing so for our best and our good, that He might do the greater works through us that He longs to do. Let's take a moment, shall we, and let's ask the Lord to inspire us as we serve Him today. Gracious Lord, thank you that the Bible interprets itself. We don't have to bring our own ideas, expectations, or interpretations to the Scripture. We can allow the Scripture to unfold its own purpose and meaning. Father, today... Thank you that you are doing amazing things throughout the world through your people. Thank you that Jesus who received all authority and is ruling and reigning has not failed and will not fail. Thank you, Lord, today that the only thing that truly makes sense Is to give our lives in grateful, heartfelt, devoted service to Him. That someday He will return. He will take us to the Father's house. We will be with Him forever. And in the meantime, He is building His kingdom in the lives of people. Lord, the greatest miracle that ever occurs today is the miracle of the new birth. It is when a soul passes out of death into life. is delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And then begins to be like Nick Vujicic. A shining light that draws people to God. This is our quest. This is our purpose. This is our hope. This is what you saved us for. And so, encourage us today. Come what may, however difficult the struggle or the hardship that these are real promises from a real Savior who has said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you, so that we can confidently say, the Lord is on my side. What can man do unto me? Bless us, Lord, today in incredible ways we could not anticipate Because we believe your word, stand upon it. And pray for the glory of your name. Thank you, blessed Lord, in Jesus' gracious name. Amen.